Blog Talk Radio. This week's Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash Dungeon Crawlers Radio to start your free trial membership. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. The Emperor has been expecting you. Where Geekishik and Pandemonium reign supreme. Come to the coast and get together, have a few laughs. Your hosts will discuss everything you need to know about the world of Duke. Oh yeah! So grab your staff, throw on your cape, and roll your 20-sided die. Because it's time for... Dungeon Crawlers Radio. This week's Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash Dungeon Crawlers Radio to start your free trial membership. Broadcasting live from the DCR studios. The Emperor has been expecting you. Where Geekishik and Pandemonium reign supreme. Come to the coast and get together, have a few laughs. Your hosts will discuss everything you need to know about the world of Geek. Oh yeah! So grab your staff, throw on your cape, and roll your 20-sided die. Because it's time for... Dungeon Crawlers Radio. All right, this is Revan, and we are at L2UE, and uh, we are missing Joe and Flagoon right now, but that's okay. We're going to still go ahead. So we've got author Joe Vasicek. I said that right, correct? That's right. Awesome. Uh, Sitting in with us, and we're going to talk... If I remember right, we had you on the show last L2UE. Or, yeah. or conduit or something like that. Something around here. Yeah, no, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So what have you been up to since then? Um, let's see. I've been doing a lot of writing. Okay. I've got a lot of projects that are kind of halfway finished, but um, I finished up a series that uh, I believe we talked about last time, mm-hmm. uh, Star Wanderers. It's, you know, it takes place on the uh, outworld frontier in space. Uh, a bunch of people trying to make a life for themselves nice. in the uh, different worlds out there. Okay. So now, is that available to purchase, or is that... It is. Nice. Where can they pick that up? Uh, it's available pretty much anywhere ebooks are sold. Okay. Um, I've been trying to put them everywhere. It's on Amazon. Um, I've also got some print editions out there. So, uh, but those those are... Uh, it's a series of uh, novellas mm-hmm. and uh, novelettes. So, uh, each one's maybe about between like 80 and 120 pages. And uh, But I've also got the omnibus editions, too, so... Nice. Yeah. So, out there on ebooks, so... Pretty much any, you know, Kindle, anything like that. You can Kindle, pick up. Nice. You know, Barnes Noble, Nook, Kobo. So, uh, you know, just kind of remind our listeners, what is the series exactly about more than just out on the frontier trying to make life? Well, it starts off, um, I got the idea for the series. I was thinking about, uh, you know, I've always kind of, 
fantasize about what it would be like to have my own spaceship and kind of mm. go out there. I mean, I watched Firefly and Serenity yeah. and thought how awesome it would be to just, you know, have a spaceship and, and make a living that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I was thinking about, you know, there's there's this one episode in Firefly where uh, where Ma- the uh, where Mal accidentally uh, marries this girl mm-hmm. and they don't speak the same language. Yeah. And it's also really based off of this uh, other uh, Western that I really like. It's called Jeremiah Johnson, where the same thing kind of mm-hmm. happens. And that's really how the series took off. It's about this uh, starship pilot who just wanders from star to star, and he comes to this one system where the people don't speak his language, and he accidentally marries this girl, and, you know, this the space station is collapsing, and they have this famine, and in order to save her life, the station master, sells, you know, he uh, marries her off to this guy, and uh, it's like, well, all of a sudden, she's got this, this girl on the spaceship, and how do they make it work? And they actually end up uh, getting together, and they make some friends, and they try to... Um, they're trying to make a life for themselves out there. And the la- the first four books were about those two people. The last four books are more about the people they meet along the way mm-hmm. and uh, how they go out in the uh, to go and settle other places and, and how they uh, they have to face some space pirates at some point. They have to have a lot of other struggles they have to deal with, but uh, they make it. So Cool. So, I mean, I mean that, the language barrier just right there mm-hmm. is going to make everything difficult. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know... I, you know, I do Cub Scouts, and so I have some boys that, you know, mm-hmm. they speak Japanese. Oh, yeah? And they'll just, like, going off on their conversations. It's like, okay, I have no clue what they're saying. So just imagining that is, you know, a husband and wife type or even a couple situation mm-hmm. and then trying to figure out, you know, whether they're asking for food or they're asking for a pair of shoes or what. It's going to be difficult, yeah. or, you know. Then you throw in, they're out in, you know, in space. That's, that's crazy. Exactly. And space can be very isolating. I think I, yeah. I tried to work on that a lot. I mean, the idea of... One of the things that appeals to me so much about space stories is about uh, just how vast it is mm-hmm. and how empty it is. And it's kind of like, um, you know, out here in the West, we've kind of got this tradition of, like, the frontier yeah. and people going out and mountain men and that sort of thing. And that can also be very, uh, um, very lonely, very... Uh, a, a huge vastness and emptiness and mm-hmm. you could go for a long time without meeting people and I uh, try to play with that a little bit in uh, the space too you know where it takes you know they have faster than light travel but it takes them months to get from place to place yeah. and so being isolated and in order to deal with that they kind of have this uh, cybernetic thing where they can plug themselves into these uh, simulations okay and uh, kind of try to deal with that and and so uh, but still you know just human interaction can be very limited and I've always been fascinated by that um, one of my kind of fantasies personally is to go to I, I kind of dream about going to Mongolia and just yeah. kind of getting a horse and wandering around there because it's, it's the least densely populated nation on earth and I just yeah. think that's awesome well and then you got the Gobi Desert there which is just oh, amazing yeah. and it's true but, I, uh, I always love desolate places yeah well I mean the the crazy thing that I, I would see is um, you know with like the expansion of the west like you were saying mm-hmm. eventually they'd run into another human yeah um, but going out into space, you don't know if you're going to run into, you know, the next creature you see is some flesh-eating creature that wants to use you as a snack. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, so that that in itself is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, space is just scary and freaky completely, totally, because uh, mm-hmm. we don't know what's out there. Yeah. Um, you know, so, wow. I mean, that's 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 a great story. Yeah. I think, you know, I think there's kind of different kinds of space mm-hmm. opera. I've been kind of thinking about this. I mean, you've got space stories that are kind of, 
mm-hmm. you know, take place in the Empire, where yeah. it's like empires fighting each other, yeah. and, you know, big, you know, large conflicts in that way. And then you've got stories of exploration, where mm-hmm. people are going on the far fringes, places where man has never been before. Yeah. And I kind of like, um, I've also noticed kind of a rise in uh, some stories about books where it's kind of like Western space opera, like Western science yeah. fiction. Um, a little bit like Firefly, but also... Firefly, I, I really like the series, but one thing I didn't like as much about it was that every planet was basically Wyoming. And so... Well, until you got to, like, the Alliance mm-hmm. planets, and it was China. Yeah, and then it was China, yeah. Yeah, it, w- it was the weirdest thing. Uh, I mean, it was kind of cool, because I did like that mixture mm-hmm. of spaceships, and then, you know, kind Yeah. they were, like, kind of an Old West guy. Yeah. Because you know? growing up, you know... My my mother, my grandfather, and that really like you know western. So I, yeah. I watched a lot of John Wayne stuff like that. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um. Then yeah, you, then they show you like the Central Alliance planets. It's like, did I just go to China or something? It's it's mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. Well, the main thing I thought is that like, I mean, space is such an amazing place. Mm-hmm. The planets that we're discovering nowadays in science, we've, we're discovering planets that are, you know, orbit within like three astral, like, three astral diameters of their stars. We're finding planets that are, like, orbiting pulsars. We're finding, you know, just the wildest, craziest planets. Um, there are places where it rains lead, where it rains diamonds in the deeper atmospheres. I mean, there are planets where that are completely covered with water with, like, kilometers deep ocean. And, and there's just so many amazing different worlds that there's such a variety of places. Most of them are probably uninhabitable. Um, but, I mean, if we have the ability to live in space, we could probably have the ability to, you know, create colonies on these planets, too. And, and I just thought... That's what really appeals to me um, with science fiction. I thought kind of the Western ethos of going onto the frontier um, and trying people trying to homestead, trying to make a life for themselves, being a Wild West, kind of a, a lawless place, and, and how do people band together and how do people form new societies and new communities and places that have been isolated for generations, how do those places develop and what happens when they get back in contact with, with the rest of, of the world or the rest of the universe. That's kind of the, the, the part that I really liked and and um, that I liked about Firefly and, and that sort of thing. And that's the part that I think really appeals to me with this idea of, of frontier science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and combining that with just the things that we're discovering about other planets and, and our universe. Um, I've got, you know, in, in one place that I go to in the, uh, in the series, there's a, an underwater colony that's, you know, on this, you know, this planet is completely covered with water. And there's one place that's, you know, only about 100 meters from the surface. And, and that's where they have the main colony, but then the, the ocean goes way deeper than that. And... Just they go to just a variety of places. One of the places um, in a new series that's in the same universe that I'm writing, uh, they go to a, a planetary system that, you know, they have a space station, but it's around a protoplanetary disk that hasn't sorted to form planets yet. Hmm. So uh, just wild and crazy things that you can do. Nice. With, yeah. So is it fun doing all the research with you know the space oh, yeah. and the astronomy? Because I mean, part of that you have to at least do the research because you can't just mm-hmm. make up some you know astral body or something like that. So oh yeah, there's so much fascinating stuff about our universe. I mm-hmm. mean, I'm, I'm I wouldn't call myself like a science like a qualified scientist, mm-hmm. but I've been following astronomy photo of the day for yeah. for years and years and and looking up stuff on Wikipedia and just science at NASA, just crazy things. Um, for example, you know there's a, a scale model of our solar system on uh, the Mall in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. where you've got like the sun, I think it's about the size of a grapefruit. It's like a model of the sun that's on the capital steps. And then it has all the planets, you know, spaced out along the ball hmm. about how far they are. And I think Earth is like where the Smithsonian is or, or something like that. Maybe it's Mars, I don't know. And then Saturn is like out where the, the Washington Monument is. Huh. Now, to put that in perspective, we've discovered stars where the radius of the star 
is the same as the radius of the orbit of Saturn. Wow. So, like, you can imagine a star that's yeah. the size of the grapefruit, and then a star that's the freaking the size of the mall. Yeah. And Washington, D.C. That's yeah, I mean, amazing And stuff. then there's also really small condensed stars that oh, yeah. put out more energy than those larger ones. So. Mm-hmm. And, and it's always... It, it's kind of baffling to me that the bigger the star, the weaker it is, it seems. Mm-hmm. The hotter it burns, the, yeah. the quicker it burns out. It's like yeah. like building a bonfire, I guess. You yeah. Know? So, yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, I know they say our star will eventually mm-hmm. go supernova or go bigger, mm-hmm. and then Earth will be uninhabitable or something like that. But well, that's be interesting. Is, uh, we've got some uh, like M-class stars that are you know smaller red dwarfs, mm-hmm. and we think that in order to uh, for in order for life to exhibit, exist on a planet, it has to be orbiting at such a distance from the star that it's yeah. in what's called the Goldilocks yeah. zone. Like if it's too close, it's too warm. If it's too far right, away, it's yeah. too cold. But if it's, you know, just right, water can exist as a liquid, mm-hmm. and uh, and life can exist there. Life as we know it, at least. Yeah. And uh, but the thing is, for M-class dwarfs, which are like the smallest star, well, they're not the smallest stars, but they're really small, long-burning stars. Mm-hmm. So you know, life would have around such a planet would have you know plenty of time to evolve life, plenty of time to evolve yeah. intelligence. Um, they burn more red, but they're so close to the star in the habitable zone that they're actually tidally locked to the star. Oh, wow. So you got one side of the planet is always facing the star, and one the other side one's is always not. facing night. Yeah. And the weather system would actually distribute the heat so that you know you could exist. You know, it, so the temperatures would actually be be cool enough or, or warm enough mm-hmm. on both sides. Just but one uh, side would always be in dark, and the other would always in light. Wow. Yeah, and it depends on the d- also like the magnetosphere, and it depends on like how thick the atmosphere is. Hmm. I mean, I've just, I just love learning about this kind of stuff. I mean, even just in our own solar system, we just recently discovered 300-kilometer-high geysers shooting out of Europa. Yeah. From, uh, and, like, there's a liquid ocean down there, and we think there could be life down there. That's, that's yeah, and, awesome. that, and that freezes and then becomes part of the rings of Saturn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. I mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely, let alone, you know, the, there's a couple of the, the moons of Jupiter that look like they might be inhabitable. Oh, yeah. Uh, even though it's so far away. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, space is pretty interesting. Yeah. To, to be certain, and, you know, if we ever get to that point of being able to travel out there, that would be awesome. But I know, you know, we have tons of science fiction about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, it allows us to make, you know, alien races or whatever in mm-hmm. our stories. So. Yeah. Wow. So what's the next project, then, that's well, coming up? The next project... Um, I've been writing a spin-off series after uh, Star Wanderers, and this okay. one I'm calling Sons of the Starfarers. Mm-hmm. It's about two um, two brothers who are kind of get a mention in the first series, but they're uh, they're Star Wanderers. They're they're kind of traders, merchants going from place to place, mm-hmm. and they come to this one planet. Well, they come to this one this one colony that's you know on the charts as a, as an established colony, but it's way the far way really far out, and uh, they get there and they find out that it's a derelict. Like the station has been just abandoned, there's nobody living there or anything. They go in there just to kind of investigate and they find that everyone is dead. And their bones have all like been dried out and people are dead and everything and you know, for years it's been nobody's ever come there come there, it's been too isolated and they're dead, but they go around and they, they find one survivor and the survivor is frozen in this uh, cryo tank and she's uh it's this girl and they're like, Well what do we do? I mean you know, we can't just leave her here. The next people who come might be slavers. They might take her, and, you know, we've got to rescue her. And they obviously wanted, you know, just... She was the only one who could survive, and they wanted to, her to survive. So they mm-hmm. take her on, and, and they're trying to find a way that they can unfreeze her because they don't have the they don't have the technology for that. Um, so they're trying to find a place that does. And there's this one star cluster that's kind of, like, more recently settled, and mm-hmm. it's got a lot of people there. And, and 
But the problem is that the empire is trying to expand and trying to conquer this area and assimilate it into their own their own empire, and the people are trying to fight back. And so these brothers, you know, end up getting caught up in this big war between them. And and that's the series that I'm writing right now and hope to be publishing uh, this summer actually. Nice. So okay. Look to that. So look for Joe Vasicek's books uh, available on ebook. Mm-hmm. So, so Amazon, Amazon. Where else? Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, okay. Kobo. So all those places. Uh, all those places. All right. Well, and then your website. You yeah. have a website they can stop at? I do, yes. My uh, blog is 1001 Parsecs. Okay. Uh, it's onelowerlight.com slash writing. But just, you can just Google 1001 Parsecs. And nice. And it should pop up. Or just Joe Vasicek. And, uh, yeah, I've got links to all my books there. And, you know, I just keep a regular blog. And, yeah. Okay. Well, check it out. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks a lot. Right. Thank you, Revan. All right, this is Revan with Dungeon Cars Radio. This is Great Mind and Powerful Lord Flagoon. And we are still at LTUE and sitting here with author John Brown. For those of you that don't remember him, he's been on the show a long time ago when he released his first book, Servant of a Dark God. That's right. Oh, my gosh. That was a great book. I've been waiting for the sequel, and it sounds like it's finally on its way. We have all... Been waiting for the sequel. Yeah. Yes, we have. <laughs> I, just a great book. I enjoyed it. I've read it two two different times over since that first reading. Really? Yeah, just because it's such a great book. I love the main character. Well, you know, uh, I you now have the opportunity to read it a third time and and do it in a different manner. Because, a different manner. Yeah, because um, when I was published by Tor, uh-huh. the editors wanted me to change some things. One okay. of them was the sequence of the first eight chapters of the novel. Oh, okay. So they, they had me take cha- what, what I wanted to be chapters five through eight uh-huh. and make those chapters one through four, and then one through four became five through eight. Okay. Now, you know, so with, all, with all due respect, that's right, with all due respect, um, I believe that undermined, well, I know it did. It yeah. undermined a number of things that I wanted to do with, the book and what I was trying to do in the beginning. And now that I have my rights back mm-hmm. and have taken an indie, I now put out the the author's the author's cut, the true nice. and living version. <laughs> and that's out there now, and it's titled Servant, the Dark God Book One. Nice. And the sequel is going to be coming out in March. Okay. So, yeah, I'm yeah. really excited. So you can read it a third time and go, wow. Wait. Wow. This may, may be uh, even better. Yeah. So this is like a director's cut of a movie. This is, yeah, a director's cut, but even better than a director's cut because, you know, while the story, you know, I care about this, the story mm-hmm. of the characters and everything. Yeah. So, so when you get to the end, the story is the same, but the experience for the reader is dramatically different. Nice. And it's starting to show up in the reviews. Good. You know, I, I mean, here's the example. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the beginning that you read, yeah. which, well, you know, is an okay beginning. Yeah. I, I loved it. It was kind of a humorous beginning. But the beginning is, boy loses pants. Yep. Okay. In this beginning, the beginning is man must kill friend. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. yeah. So, boy loses pants, man has to kill his friend. Okay. So, so this is more a little than bit just different. A, this is more than just a, uh, a uh, aesthetic change, you know, a little more CG here, you know, added, a, added a, a, a deleted scene there, but this is actually like a new, like, reimagining of it. The, yeah. the, well, the sequence changed. Like I said, the, the, the core story is the same, but the sequence change is going to have a dramatic effect on readers coming to this story. Wow. Dramatic effect. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited. Totally stoked. I need to read this now. Yeah. I mean, one of the other characters I really loved from that book it was Hunger. Yeah, Hunger was Oh, awesome. my gosh. I'm just like, 
I want to hate this guy, but I really am liking him. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a review out, and a lot of people have said this. There's a review out that I was reading the other day, and they said, you know, one of the things I love about this book is that for, like, the first 100, 200 pages, I, I don't know who the good guys are yet. Yeah. You know? And so, and that's how I designed it, you know? So, mm-hmm. anyway. Nice. I'm excited about it. Yeah. So, the second book on, is on its way, and it's coming in May? March. March. Mar- March. Oh, even so better. Just, ooh, even yeah, around the corner. Yeah, so it's, it's called Curse, okay. the Dark God book, too. Oh. Man. Got the cover art. The cover art's on my website. Uh, I'm so calculating in my mind how I can get... Yeah, i got to go get the books. <laughs> all the books must read all thingies. Yes. Hmm. So, see, I get paid Friday. So, for <laughs> while, while he does this math instead, for those who, who weren't lucky enough to have read the original, uh, what is this, what's this world about? Man? What, uh, what are these books... You know, what do they lead to? Yeah. Um, well, so here's how I got the idea. Here's how I got the idea. I re- when I was writing it, I had just moved up to the hinterlands of Utah to this ranching community. It's a little town. There's maybe 500 people in this town. And we were living not in the town but five miles outside of, outside of the town. And I was working on this idea, and I had some ideas about the magic, etc. Mm-hmm. And... And it all started with cows, right? Yeah. So uh, uh, the basic premise was, okay, what, what if souls are actual things, mm-hmm. okay? Well, if they're actual things, then they probably have mass. And everything that we have in our physical world, our biological world, right, uh, unless it's rock, but even rock is, is eat, you know, soil and nutrients and minerals, but... But all the biological things, they are food for something. Else. Something. Yeah. So the question is, what eats soul? And okay. And are we the top of the food chain? What if we're not the top of the food chain? Mm. So yeah. I will just say that's, that's the basic idea and well, save you I'm my cow hooked. stories. But no, that's But that's fine. kind of the basic idea. It's a fantasy story. A lot of magic. A lot of fun creatures. It's, it's things, a fun read. It things is. are not what they what you what they seem to be. Now. So, are we going to see more twists and turns in the oh, yeah. in the second book? Oh yeah. All right. More ramifications and twists and turns, and uh, a lot uh, some new characters, of nice. course, new characters and new creatures, and hmm. and I don't I don't want to spoil it. No, that's but, okay. But uh, so I don't know what to say. You no, know, fine. it's it's an awesome book though. It, it was really really fun to write. So, have you written anything else in the meantime? Yeah. Or, okay. What yeah, else? Yeah. So, uh, broke off totally in a separate, total, totally different genre. Okay. And I've started a thriller, a contemporary thriller series. The first book that's out is called Bad Penny, and it's been getting great reviews and a great response from folks that have been reading it. Nice. And this one is about uh, a veteran, a special forces veteran, screwed up, went to jail. He's back out trying to go straight, mm-hmm. and some old cellmates show up, and then everything goes to heck. And uh, this guy, he just happens to be uh, living in Rock Springs, Wyoming. So it's a hard land yeah. with a hard man, and that's what that's what that one's about. Oh, nice. That's yeah. something you could, you could oh, yeah. bite your teeth into. So. Uh, these both sound like things that are just going to you know, be eating into that pesky sleep time I have to... Uh, Make myself no. do occasionally. Just go into a meditative state for an hour. 
you got plenty of time. While while reading, yeah, that's what it is. There you go. <laughs> My dreams become the books that I read. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's so, like the Matrix. So bad, yeah, pretty much. So bad. Penny is doing really well. It's uh, doing with well. Reviews and that. Yeah. yeah, it's doing well with the initial reader response. Uh, I've had some good good sales and a lot of good reviews so yeah. far from readers. It's one of those. Uh, if you look at the reviews, they are constantly couldn't put it down. Was forced to put it down because I had to go to work. Yeah. You know, <laughs> read it in one sitting. It's that kind of. So, nice. I mean, that's really gratifying, and especially because that book, that book was a blast to write. I bet. You got this ex-con, and I mean, the tagline is an ex-con, a Mormon, and the woman in the trunk. So his sidekick <laughs> is this happy do-gooder Mormon dude in his minivan, <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, it's it's uh. it's a thriller. It's a thriller, but it's leavened with some fun humor. That's awesome. It's good stuff. Yeah. So, so has it been really good for you to go from the traditional book publisher over to more of an indie setting? Well, the indie world, the indie, it has changed everything. Yeah. Because it gives authors options, mm-hmm. and so for that reason, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I have nothing against publishers. It's just a different distribution channel. Mm-hmm. The publishers have a lock on the brick-and-mortar distribution channel. Yeah. You want to get in, and that's a great distribution channel, right? Nothing wrong yeah. with that. You want to get into that, you have to go through the publishers. Uh, and and if, if not, then we have this great indie channel as well. Now, I'll tell you with Bad Penny, I was talking to my agent because of my experience with my publisher mm-hmm. and, and things... With Tor, we just didn't... My editor and I, I don't think we had the same vision for the book. Yeah. And so I went to them and I said, look, I think we probably don't have the vision. We should just part ways. And and they said, you know what? I think you're right. That's fine. And so that's how I was able to get my rights back. So with Bad Penny, I talked to my agent and I said, look, I, I want to take this to New York mm-hmm. to go through publishers, but... But... I need to look at what is a likely advance for this going to be and what are the terms going to be. And when we had talked about that, just for me right now, I just looked at that and said, no, it's not worth it to me right now. I want to try this independent thing. And so it's been awesome. It's been awesome so far. There's a a lot of things to learn, a lot of things to do. You know, it's not just the writing. It's the covers. It's marketing. How do I do that? You know, all of that formatting books, how to do an interior all of that kind of stuff, and so there's been a big learning curve, but just the fact that it's there as a backup, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just the fact that it's there as a backup is awesome. Nice. Yeah. And if that doesn't work, there's an alternate route you can go. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. And I have nothing, no, nothing against publishers. I have another publisher that is asked to look at some of my work, and if they make a great offer, I'll be happy to be a business partner with them. Yeah. And it's not a problem. Well, I mean, so. it's really cool that you were able to go talk with Tor and say, hey, this isn't working. You know, and they were amicable on parting ways. And it wasn't yeah, it, it was. I have no, I have no hard feelings. I don't think they do. You know, it wasn't a nasty yeah. anything like that. And I really appreciate the way that they handled it. So, nice, yeah. nice to hear. Yeah. yeah. So many times you hear in the, uh, you hear about, oh well, you know, I'm I'm leaving this, but uh, sadly, you know, we're we're kind of in fight for my particular book series. There, my yeah, this yeah. thing, and then. You know, it goes into uh, book hiatus, and no one ever hears from it again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As you're on book two. As you're, yeah, series, you're, you're on book two, and it five. ended at, it ended at a uh, cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Yeah. So uh, with uh, indie publishing, is that uh, 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 would you prefer just regular doing indie publishing, or 
Uh, have you had it trying to do anything with like e-publishing, like doing things for uh, through Amazon? Okay, so when I say indie publishing, I mean doing e-books and doing paperbacks. Doing like the gambit. Yeah, Create Space or Lightning Source. So okay. I'm doing it on my own, and and you know under my own imprint. So I, Black Sword Books is my imprint. Nice. It prints my books, and so. Uh, so it is. So it's 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 a Kindle book. It's a Nook book. It's on iTunes. It's on Kobo. But then I've also got the paperback through CreateSpace. And so when I say about the distribution channels, right? Mm -hmm. The the one distribution channel that independent authors can get into is all of these online venues. Yeah. The other channel is the brick and mortar. It's the stores. Yeah. And you know that you actually get foot traffic into, and that's the one that the publishers, you know, they've mm -hmm. got all the connections and all the systems set up to. To really exploit that. Well, and nowadays those are starting to dwindle. I mean, you can't find th that many books, uh, brick and mortar stores like you used to be able to. I mean, what yeah, ten years ago you, it seemed like there was one every twenty blocks, and yep. now they're they're almost gone. With Borders closing, that was a big deal. Yeah. A lot of other stores, Barnes and Noble is. I mean, I mean, we have to not over overstate it. I mean, a a lot of books yeah. are still sold in brick and mortar yeah. venues, but. But but it is true. You know, I had a friend who was, uh, he was one of a of there are a couple of distributors that sell to the airport mm -hmm. bookstores, yeah. and it was interesting when e-books came out, those people started losing fifty, sixty, seventy percent oh, of wow. their volume. And when I was going traveling last, I mean, there's still bookstores out there. Yeah. But it's very interesting the breadth of books that used to be in the airports, yeah. right? Oh yeah. They shrunk drastically. Shrunk. Yeah. There were bookstores that were shuttered. I just going through the Salt Lake International Airport. They used to have this one big bookstore on the corner of one of the terminals. Oh yeah, it's, it's gone. gone. Yeah, yeah. Yep. totally gone. So it, it's had a big influence. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. So uh, you know, as far as with traffic, are you seeing a lot more influx with purchases on on your books now that you are you know going through Amazon and those channels? Well, you know, it's a uh, it's a small business. Okay. It's a small business, and so you've got to build your readership. So I had a number of people that were waiting and been sticking with me through all yeah. these years, waiting for book two to come out. You know, and so they've they uh, they of course purchased, but but uh, it's growing. The audience is growing. But I'm still, you know, I'm looking at it as a long term business. I've got a yeah. I've got a little business. I've opened up shop. Nice. I've got clientele that are super happy with yeah. what I've done, mm -hmm. and now it's just a matter of taking the time to let it grow and build. So since you've gone indie, uh, what have sort of the, uh, what have been some of the things that you've done to, you know, to get your name out, you know, to to other people that, you know, Tor your your original publisher was doing for you? What what are some of the things that you've done to self-promote yourself? Yeah, so here's the deal with Tor uh, with publishers they don't really target readers. So so here's how you get visibility in the in the traditional publishing world. You get into a bookstore, and the bookstore gets a lot of foot traffic, or it doesn't. But but that's how you get visibility. And then there are that's what they call co-op, okay. which is you know if you go into Barnes and Noble or you go into one of these places, and there's a center table right when you walk in the oh, door, yeah. or or you go to the new bestsellers, and it's the the covers or are faced out, or yeah. the end caps or the spinners. So all of those are places that a publisher can 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 say, okay, Barnes & Noble, we'll pay X amount of dollars to get our book there for visibility. Mm -hmm. So that is where they focused because their visibility mechanism was foot traffic mm -hmm. and eyeballs coming into the store. Yeah. Okay. So, so the things that they did for promotion were, we're going to get a catalog together. 
and and that catalog is going to go to these retailers. Mm-hmm. We're going to get a sales force together, and we're going to punch a, pay a bunch of salesmen to go out and talk to the book buyers of these people, right? A lot of these book buyers at the retailers, they rely on reviewers. Kirkus, Publishers Weekly, um, uh, oh, what is the Library Journal? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to get our books out to those folks so they can, pr- they can review it before the book is released. Uh, and then the other, big, the other big venue is libraries. And so, the, so we need to get this book in front of the library people. So, for example, Tor, Tor did all of that, and then they sent me out to, like, a library convention, and I went to another one on my own. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's what they did. Well, guess what? Indie authors can't do any of that. No, they can't. Right? So it's a totally different thing. So for indie authors, the way that you've got to go about it is you've got to go dr- reach directly to readers. How do you get visibility with readers? Well, there are, if you've got a, a newsletter, mm-hmm. so this last year I set up a newsletter, and people who want to know about my books, they're able to, they're yeah, able yeah, to yeah. get onto that and get an announcement. There are ad services like BookBub or BookBlast yeah. that will send it out, right? And then there are, other, there are other ways to kind of pulse it. If you've got somebody like Larry Correa, yeah. who has a huge following, a number of you know, thousands of people come to his website, if he gives you a mention or something like that, then you, know, you get a little bit more visibility. Yeah. So those are the things that I'm trying to do to get visibility. Nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's not quite the same. It's a different thing, right? Cause, yeah. Because the publishers are selling to retailers. Yeah. That's who their buyers are. It's not really the end. I mean, the end buyers are there, but they've got to get it into the store, yeah. so that's where they focus a lot of their attention. So going in, so going into, it's like, you know, how we, you said to begin with, you know, you, you, you have a lot more liberties or freedoms to actually write the book that you want to write. Yep. As opposed to writing the book that Tor wants you to, pub- that Tor wants to sell. That's right. Yeah. That's and, right. And you got to do the extra work. Yeah. There's yeah. the extra work. And then there's the pitfall, you know, it's nice to have a, a professional editor sometimes mm-hmm. because they'll have a, a perspective that you don't can help you make your book better. But sometimes, you know, like in my case, I, you know, I fundamentally disagreed with my editor. I did it because he's the editor. That was my contract. But mm-hmm. and, and, you know, our heads butted. So, so yeah. there's pros and cons. I, don't, I yeah. don't think there's a gold brick road. Either, Either way, way. Yeah. They, they both have their they both have their pluses. They both have their that's minuses, right. Yeah. They they both have their pluses and minuses. But I do have to say, the freedom that the yeah, freedom yeah. that I have here is really nice. Mm-hmm. I got a I got a, a a fabulous artist for my uh, for my fantasy covers. He's a guy out of Mexico. He's yeah. just awesome. Nice, right? So I was able to get him to do the covers. That was awesome. Uh, I was able to get another guy to do my bad penny cover. A guy, a, a student up in Logan. Oh wow! Very pleased with that. You know, it's now. I guess some writers might get into troubles uh, uh, doing their own artwork because mm-hmm. they don't know anything about artwork. You yeah. know, but but it's still just having the flexibility to choose that to do all this other stuff is for me. It's been off. Awesome. Just a second. Okay. Let me check with my boss. Yeah, I said it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's right. Well, for those right. of you out there that haven't read the book, go find it. Uh, so it's the servant. Or it's called servant. Servant. The dark god the book dark one. The dark god book one. Coming uh, out next month. Or uh, it, that March? one's already out now. Oh, that one's out. It's the yeah. Yeah. And March is curse. It's, it's the dark god book okay. two. So I mean, even with the tweak, I mean, that just sounds like it's going to be even better than the copy I read. So um, go find this book. Not Help. more shinier special effects. Yes. 
you won't have to wait as long as I've had to wait for the sequel. <laughs> and then, I'm uh, so sorry, Robert. That's okay. This will help support John and his amazing uh, cause to uh, make more books. So John needs to make more book fun. Yes. And your your website? My website is John D. Brown, and that's D as in David. So johndbrown.com. Nice. Pretty simple. Yeah, very simple. At, and John, you know, it, definitely Larry Korea supports everything you write. I, I, I've talked to him several times. He just loves you as a, as a person and, and, and your writing. So yeah, he's blurred both of my books. Yeah, I mean, that says that yeah. a lot. Larry loves it. Yeah. Brandon blurb the servant book, you know. Yeah, so. good for Bra- yeah. I've got I, a lot of great blurbs from, some, from folks. Some really big people, at least in the publishing Yep. Industry that are saying some good things about you as well. So if that doesn't say anything to you guys, uh, we should. Yes. Yes. Our buy, boys. Buy his books. Buy three of his books. And send. Have have yes. the have the, the the read copy, the shelf copy, and then the other copy to go. Oh, have you read this book yet? Oh, well, here, borrow this copy. Yes. <laughs> there you go. There we go. That's awesome. All right. <laughs> and then tell them to buy three copies to do the exact same. Yes. All right. This has been Revan. This is Lord Flagoon. We've been sitting with John Brown. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. This is Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Where uh, this is Revan. Guy named Joe. This is Lord Flagoon. And we are live at LTUE with Michael Brent Collins, the man that writes horror that will scare even your grandma. Even my <laughs> and my grandma's hard to scare because she kills people. It'll, yes, it'll make your grandma who's dead wet her pants. That's right. Most tr- mostly through the normal process of putrefaction, yeah. but you know. Yes. <laughs> but her pants will be extra soggy. But they will right. be extra That's soggy. Right. Yeah. Very nice. Are we allowed to talk about this? Because your kids are right there, dude. He just bought a zombie notepad. Okay, just and he watches <laughs> Night of the Living Dead. Okay. And loves it apparently. Okay, so nothing is off limits. No. Solid gold babies we're good. in the butt. Yep. Okay. We're awesome. We're, we're, we're good that way. We're we're it back. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Must be mentioned on every Some show. Some things, once you bring them out, they can't be brung back. If nope, Michael nope. Brent is going to be on. Gold babies are going in some orifice. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a well-known fact. Now. All right. We it's on my to, Wicca page. Okay, yeah. we need to do this now. We need to find someone that either sculpts or makes <laughs> statues. And next time he's on the show, we have to have a Give gold a baby tiny statue. Give me a solid gold baby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the kind you like, you should be able to unwrap it. It's chocolate inside because that would go with the butt motif. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! Oh, <laughs> oh gold baby! And Dungeon Crawlers Radio, your place for highbrow humor. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> we're all kicking each other in the crotch too, right? Oh. Now. Yeah, we are. We're filming. The, we're filming the next iteration of Jackass. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh. Man. Oh. No, no thank it's you. not that kind of a show. No, <laughs> no. no not at all. Make it clear that you're having pain and not pleasure yeah. right now. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, you can't really, can't really see that the facial, the facial expression says pain. But the, Are the you pain. sure? Because I was across the table from you and I was a little concerned. I felt pain just listening to you. Yeah. Well, moving on yeah. from the pain. Because that's what we do. Yeah. So, from the pain. for those of you that don't know, Michael Brent is a well-known horror novelist, yep. and you have, I mean, just looking at your table, tons of novels. I have literally several novels. And and you do have some children's novels at the threat of your wife, I, I Yeah, my wife, my wife came in one day and, and in so many words said, I love your scary books, but I don't like the fact that I have to turn on all the lights, 
put the cops on speed dial and call my sister over to spend the night every time I read one of your books. So, like, write something not scary or I'll divorce you. And my wife, she's really nice. She's smart and she's scorching hot. So yeah. I did not want her to, to divorce me. So I wrote um, some children's books called The Billy Saga, and I've written some young adult work and stuff like that. So, you know, people call me a horror novelist because mm-hmm. most of my stuff my fans sort of demand that of me, yeah. but I'm just a storyteller. I write whatever I kind of feel like nice. at the time. <laughs> or what my wife tells me to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. are not a need to. The next, uh, the next book's got to be no, a romance no. novel. No, I, you know what? I don't write porn and I don't write romance. And the reasons are different. Mm-hmm. Um, porn, I think, hurts the universe. And romance, I, this is going to sound cheesy. Also but I, hurt the universe. No, no. It, no. This is going to sound cheesy, but I really do adore my wife. Mm-hmm. And... The stuff that I write is all escapist to some extent. Like, it's all stuff that I want to run off to. Yeah. Not that I want to be in a horror novel, but I like escaping to that stuff. And I live in a romance. My wife is somebody that I've adored since the first time I went out with her. And I can't escape to a romance because I live in one. So I just don't write those. Are you they only don't saying this because it's Valentine's Day? Yeah, and, I, and I'm not home, obviously. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> but she, she did, she you, did get a care package from me in absentia, which Aww. surprised her. So. Nice. Cool. Yeah. And, it was, and it was chocolate dipped. So, like, I know what women like. I'm all, I'm all sensitive and crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me fool. <laughs> Ooh. So she wouldn't mind if the gold baby statue went home. Oh, no. She, yeah. She'd totally be like, this is disgusting. No, 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 no. Awesome. It's tasty, but it's awful. Yeah. Uh, Don't ever make these jokes. Next time, make it a solid gold. Something not horrifying, but bring home the chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> Yeah. She does. She sounds nothing like a nasally version of me, by the way. I don't yeah. know. Like, I default to, like, this quasi kind of stereotypical West Hollywood homosexual yeah. version of me whenever I'm talking girls. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. A lot of guys do that. <laughs> so, so then, I mean, have, you, have you had that sort of um, block on writing romance from the very get-go, or did you ever yeah. try to experiment? No. I, I don't experiment, Joe. No, I don't. I don't swing that way. No, okay. um, no. I, you know, it's 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 literally never. Oh, it's so curious. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I was young. I needed the money. Um, <laughs> no, I I I have been married for the entire time I've been writing professionally, mm-hmm. and I have never. I really never have had the desire to even try it. If somebody came along and said. We'll pay you a million dollars if you belt out a Harlequin romance. You would see me in the library the next day (laughs) reading as many Harlequins as I could to memorize the form because I am a huge money whore. Mm -hmm. And and I would never do porn, but I I would definitely do a romance if you paid me the right money. I would wait till the check cashed or cleared, you know, but but I would do it. But no, I've never had the inkling of a desire because I really do want to like go to fabulous mm-hmm. new places and, th- and see things that I've never seen. And every single, um, every single book I write has stuff in it that, that I've never had any experience with. And that's part of the fun of it, is sitting down and dreaming up something so far beyond my experience. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, wouldn't that be cool? And in my brain, I get out alive. You know, whether yeah. my characters do or not, <laughs> it's a, a whole other manner. Story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So then, I mean, what what are some places that you haven't been to that maybe you'd like to go to? Oh, geez, everywhere. I mean, like, I, it's funny because I'm I'm not a traveler. Mm-hmm. My okay. my wife is a total traveler. Mm-hmm. She would go anywhere in the world on a on a moment's notice. And of course, I'm the guy who goes to conventions and stuff. And so I call her up 
and I'm, I'm just so bad. So I'll call her up, and I'm like in a four-star hotel that I've been put up at for some, you know, symposium that I'm speaking at or something like that. So they've mm-hmm. traveled me out there, yeah. they, you know, flown me, and, I'm in, and I call her up, and I'm like, I hear her dealing with the kids in the background, and they're all like, meow, meow, I want this, don't touch me, and the baby's screaming and crying, and I'm like, I forgot my pillow, it's terrible, and I hate it here, <laughs> you know, so there, I would love to be, to see lots of places, mm-hmm. but only if I could transport there, experience it, and transport back for bedtime, you know, because I'll, I'll be honest, I have... I really do have some mental instability issues. Like, I have OCD, and I'm not saying, I'm so OCD, like I like all the, you know, the yellow starbursts. That's just quirky. I have, for reals, OCD, and I have mental issues that prevent me from enjoying myself when I mm-hmm. get outside my comfort realm. Huh. So, um, so I would, seriously, I'd love to go see the Great Pyramids. But I'd also have to frickin' wash my feet every five minutes, because it's dirty there, you know? <laughs> all the sand. And um, so I experience a lot of the things vicariously through my books. Okay. And I do the research and I go, wow, wouldn't it be cool to be the kind of person who could survive a trip to Egypt mm-hmm. and not be just weeping into my handkerchief the whole time because it's so <laughs> hot and nasty. Um, and I, I traveled to South America. I was a missionary for my church for two years and I lived in South America, so I know I can do it. Yeah. But I didn't like it, you yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, were, you were there out of more out of necessity than anything. Yeah, I mean, I loved the work, and I was glad to do it, and I thought it was important. But, like, if I could have done it someplace else and been fulfilling my duty, you know, everyone else is like, I'm going to a third world country. It's going to be so awesome. And I got mine. I'm like, why couldn't I have gone to, like, Omaha? Or Hawaii? Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Even Hawaii. I went there on my, I went there on my honeymoon. Yeah. And I was like, it's really humid here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's humid. It rains all the right? time. So I live I live in a very kind of a temperate region. I mean, yeah. I live in Idaho. It does snow and stuff, but it it's not super snowy. It's not like a blizzard, Antarctica kind of place. Mm-hmm. And the summers are mild, and yeah. it's my kind of place. And I stay in the air conditioning regardless. Mm-hmm. So. Lots of potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and they're good too. Yeah. So um, so doing throughout your research and and when you're uh, when you're exploring like the colony series, mm-hmm. what what was the coolest part of research? Uh, what was the coolest Thing you found out during your research. Oh, you know what was, what was really interesting was like because it, it's an apocalyptic book. Mm-hmm. Realizing because most apocalypse books, at least from the standpoint of it, it's a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. And most zombie apocalypse are about a couple people who are there when the outbreak gradually spreads and they kind of run ahead of the wave of the zombies. Yeah. And they manage to find a well-stocked location. So they manage to find an old army base or a Kmart or something with lots of guns and lots of canned food. And from there they make their stand and humanity is victorious or not, depending on if George Romero is making it or not. (laughs) And so in this, in my version, the zombies turn 50% of the population all at once. Mm -hmm. And those zombies then turn on the other 50%. So inside of 10 minutes, you have a 99.9% death slash change rate. And what was most fascinating about that was it's about, the first book is about a guy trying to find his family. Mm-hmm. And I really sat down and thought, humanity and our society has collapsed instantly. How hard would it be for me to get across town? Oh my freaking gosh, it would be <laughs> impossible. You know, like, because we take, for, we take for granted just the idea of, well, I'd hop into a car and I'd just drive there, right? Because there's cars, because everybody jumped out of them because they died or were eaten or whatever. Well, great, but everybody ate, everybody that got 
creamed or eaten or changed, they crash their cars, so the roads are impassable. Okay, well, I'll walk. All right, except for moving throngs of things that want to eat you. And everything that I thought to do, mm-hmm. there was a very logical reason I, I couldn't have my characters do it. Motorcycle. Even that, if you're going to do a motorcycle, you're going to slow down around the turns to get around these big piles of debris. Okay. Something's going to jump out and eat you. And plus, not everybody knows how to ride a motorcycle. Motorcycles, in spite of the way the movies portray them, like Jack Ryan jumps on a motorcycle, does a wheelie, and buzzes it off like a pro. If you don't know how to ride a motorcycle, you're going to stand there and go, kick-starting it, and never know that you forgot to turn the key. You know, or something really yeah. basic. <laughs> or popping the clutch and yeah. filling it out. Yeah. yeah. Entire chapter describing totally. just the failure of Yeah, totally. It. And meanwhile, you've been pulled apart 17 times. So the thing that was most interesting was just figuring out, like, how much we rely on our social niceties. Not just please and thank you, but, hey, stay on the right side of the road. Hey, it's okay to use the elevator, you know, because, like, if the elevators don't work... Forget about going anything more than three stories. I'm going to be like, oh, my, parent, my family's at the top of ten stories. Do they really dead. love them that much? Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're, 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 they're dead, gone. you know? <laughs> Stuff like that. I'm sure one of my kids turned, and then when they turned, they just they yeah, just ate the, they, yeah, whoever did they're, they're gone. Yeah. yeah, they're gone. And, and if they didn't, I'll be dead by floor seven anyways, because yeah. <laughs> total heart attack. <laughs> so it was just really interesting, kind of a mind puzzle, thinking, mm-hmm. okay, the universe is falling to crap. How do I get through all of that? Mm-hmm. And it's not so easy, which is why that first book, when I got to the end of it, I'm like, this is a 200-plus page chunk, and it's lasted six hours in real time, which is an unusual way to write a book. The other fun thing I did was, <coughs> excuse me, I went, I showed up, this is part of being a writer, I get to be a crazy person, mm-hmm. I show up <laughs> at the people who are in charge of the sewer lines, like mm-hmm. the health and human services, no, that's not it, whatever the, yeah. the group in the county is, I just literally walk in, hand them my card and go, I'm not a crazy person, can I talk to whoever's in charge of sewers? And the lady looks at me and goes, what? And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a writer, and I'm pretty successful, and you can look me up. I have a web page, because that legitimizes everything. <laughs> yes. I'm so I'm sure they have, like, true. all sorts of porn stars walking and be like, I have a web page, so I can talk to somebody. <laughs> I have a web page, and you can look me up. You can Google me. I need to find out about sewers. It's going to be in my book. So she called somebody out. She had this look like, like she's going to reach her hand under and find the 45 that she's got strapped under her desk for the <laughs> or, crazy or people. The panic <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But this guy comes out, and he was really nice. I said, I would like my characters to escape at this certain point into a sewer. Can they do that? And he goes, absolutely not. And he sat down, and he, he like brought out under, underground maps and stuff, and he spread them out for me, mm-hmm. and he showed me all like the sewer vaults and why it wouldn't. He goes, what you want is a storm drain. And he pulls out all these other maps, and he's pr- and it was so cool, you know? And saying, like, if you walk in and say, I'm a reporter, half the people will go, oh, I'll talk to you because I want to be in the newspaper. And half the people will go, get away from me, because yeah. they're trained. They don't want to give up any dirt. They don't want to get in any trouble. Mm-hmm. If you walk in and say, I'm a writer, and I do this all the time, they go, can I be in your book? You know, like, they're so <laughs> excited to tell stuff. Yeah. So, like, one of my books, The Family's Methodist, and I don't, and I try and portray people n- nicely. Like, I'm respectful mm-hmm. of religion. Yeah. And so, I'm not Methodist, so I called up a Methodist church, and I just said randomly, hey, are you the preacher guy? And he goes, well, the proper word is, you know. I said, I'm sorry, I don't mean any disrespect. I'm not Methodist. I'm going to write about Methodists in a horror novel. Can I come talk to you? And he goes, absolutely. You know, and so I, like, <laughs> yeah. went into the Methodist church, and, and the main dude sat me down in his office. He walked me through the whole church. You know, he gave me, like, the, the full-on, like, behind-the-scenes look at it and everything. Nice. And 
you get to do that as a writer, and there's no other zero. There is no other profession in the world that you get that kind of all-access pass. Oh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So did so did the uh, did the uh, did the preacher man ask to be in the book too? No, he didn't. <laughs> okay, but he did invite me out to church. He's like, you can also uh, you can also come out to church if you want. Yeah, there you see, he, was, he was working a little angle of his own. Ah, that's what I, the first one's for free. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's, that's right. how they get you hooked. And that's then right. They bring in. I actually said, I have one more question. He goes, I can only answer that on Sunday after church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, he was he was super cool. So like I put him in the acknowledgments and stuff like that, and he was just really nice. Cool. So I mean, is it fun learning you know things like that, like the the storm, the sewer and so- storm drains? Yeah. Like oh, that. I, and that's that's not something you're gonna find by reading a you know a normal no book or anything no. Out there. And I tried actually the reason I went to them is I tried to look it up in the library, and I yeah. s- so I sound like a lunatic all over town now. Yeah. They're probably like, there's the guy who's obsessed with sewers. He keeps <laughs> on saying he's not crazy, but I yeah, think right. he's, <laughs> he's got a problem. He's all into sewers, and he keeps mentioning chocolate babies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so I go to in the library. I'm like, hey, do you have a book on sewers? And she goes, well, we have a book of that the main character he's a sewer technician i go no 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 no. i want a book about like if i was gonna build a sewer from scratch like in my backyard <laughs> how would i and, do it yeah and the lady's like leaning away from me <laughs> and she's reaching for the panic button like i i instill this look in a lot of people until they realize i'm on the level yeah i'm not a total lunatic i have a mm-hmm. legitimate reason behind it so there were it turns out there's no books on sewers there's also very little on train, um, the way trains are run, mm-hmm. and I couldn't figure out why. And my mom finally stated the obvious. She's like, oh, those are hard targets. Mm-hmm. Those are places that terrorists want to attack. Because yeah. mm-hmm. oh, yeah. if you can mess up our infrastructure, you can mess up the whole world. So, of yeah. course, they're not going to have that stuff out. Um, but, yeah, so I went to the library, and I couldn't find anything. And after that, then I, yeah, I love going to the, to the source if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but, obviously, it's interesting because I'm not going to be like, What's something really dull that I can put into the book? Yeah. The most boring possible. I know this will put him to sleep for sure, you know? (laughs) So I actively think about ways to be exciting. I mean, you don't just... There's a lot of people that go, well, organic this, organic that. Well, organic suck me. I mean, you've really got to think about, okay, this is going to be an interesting set piece, especially Mm -hmm. for horror and thriller this is going to be an interesting place that I'd like my characters to get to. And yes, I'd like them to get there for a reason that makes sense. I mean, I don't want little Timmy to just step up and go, I think we should go to the abandoned mill for yeah. no reason at all. Great yeah. idea, little Timmy. Right. You lead the way. <laughs> that makes no sense. But like, if you've got an abandoned mill and there's something that the f- characters have to have that's there, groovy. Yeah. You know? And so then you get to research abandoned mills. Another thing that I did was we were... We were driving along the street, or I was driving along the street, and I saw this really cool set of buildings, and I pull into it, and it's, a, it's this fully secure location. It has video cameras. As soon as I pull up, like, there's guards and stuff, and I'm going, this is a cool place. I'm in trouble, you know? <laughs> and it turned out to be the Pepsi Bottling Company, and they've got all this security because they don't want Coca-Cola to know what they're doing. So yeah. Yeah. they imagine that I'm some corporate spy. I did my whole, like, I'm not a cuckoo pants. I've got my card. Look on my website. Can I go in and see? And the next day, I had an email from the guy from Pepsi Cola saying, "Do you really? Are you really serious? Do you really want to see?" And I said, "Absolutely." He took me around the whole inside of this place for three hours. Wow! It wow. was the main dude too. He's like in charge of Pepsi for my whole state and a couple of others. And he gave me like the VIP tour. 
Wow. Every question I had, he answered. The only thing I couldn't do was take pictures, but I was taking notes like crazy, yeah. you know? And it was all because, like, I'm thinking, maybe I'll put it in a book sometime. Maybe I'll put it in a movie sometime. Yeah. And, and I didn't even have a specific book or movie I wanted it in, but I'm just driving along going, mm-hmm. that is a bitchin'-looking building. I wonder what's going on in there, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and, I, and I get to do that. I have that luxury of being professionally curious about everything. Mm-hmm. It also means I'm annoying to drive with because I'm like, I wonder what that is. Can we pull off? No, we can't pull off. <laughs> well, why not? Because you have to be someplace. But, but that looks really interesting. No, it's not interesting. Can oh, we talk to that man? He looks interesting. No, there's a restraining <laughs> order. You can't talk to that man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so uh, as a horror writer, do you find it you know, really cliche or redundant to use like, you know, like the zombie setting where you're in a city and they're running up ten flights of stairs. I mean, it makes no <laughs> sense to me because it's like the zombies are still coming up after you. Right, right. The elevator doesn't work, obviously. Right. You're going to get tired. Right. Well, in, in sometimes it, it doesn't make any sense, you know, mm-hmm. obviously. So there, there are things that are cliche because there are a bunch of lazy writers out there. Yeah. And there are things that are cliche because they work. You know, like the haunted house that is on top of a hill in the middle of the forest, that just works, you know? Mm-hmm. You have to be kind of isolated from the rest of humanity. Forests are inherently scary to a lot of us city people. They represent, you know, silent sentinels. Are they keeping something out? Are they keeping something in? There's a whole lot of reasons for that. You know, like going up the stairs, I'm totally fine with that if there's a legitimate reason. Like when Brad Pitt and his family ran up, dude, they were running towards a helicopter. Yeah, so cool that made sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If they're running up because they're a bunch of idiots, I'm, sit- I'm the one in the back going, die, 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 you know? <laughs> what are you going to get bit? Get bit! Totally, you know, please. save. You know, there's a yeah. limited amount of space in our particular gene pool, and I don't want it filled with the cruddy moss yes. of your stupidity. So, yeah, I totally agree. And the way I deal with it is some of those cliches, they're fun to, to mess with. So, like, in, in the colony, there's a scene where they turn the corner and they find literally a building, the top of a skyscraper that has blown off and landed in the middle of the street. Oh, wow. Because it got hit by a plane with um, military uh, warheads in it. Okay. And so it got popped right off the top of its building and hit almost mm-hmm. intact in the middle of the street. And they're, like, standing there going all right, we can't get through this. And they yeah. turn around, and there's a zombie horde, and they go, okay, we're going in. Yeah. <laughs> and they go We've through, got no choice. and they're three-quarters of the way through to the other side, and they see a zombie horde coming towards them. So they've got to go up. Yeah. You know, and that was my well, plan on sense. the whole, like, yeah. and that was literally my plan the whole going up the stupid stairs part, you know. But I didn't just have them be like, let's, let's find a building yeah. and run up the stairs, yeah. you know, because you're right, it's stupid. It we is. We work on our cardio today. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> hey, guys, let's, let's stop. My workout is late. Well, it's the end of the world. You really should shut up. It's my workout. Wait, I'm man, doing I gotta Zumba. Get, I got to get my steps in. I, I know. I am a thousand steps away from meeting my goal. <laughs> That's right. I got to do this. <laughs> my core is feeling weak. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, that whole stair thing just never makes any sense. You know, it's like most horror movies. They run into the basement. Something happens. Right, like, right. why run into the basement? Totally. Why are yeah. you going into that building that has no power and you have no weapons? Yeah. yeah. Or I mean, flashlight. Yeah. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's reasons for all of them. And, and I can tell you from a screenwriting perspective, because mm-hmm. I'm a screenwriter as well, and I've sold a couple of movies and, and stuff, a lot of it, I can see what happens is the screenwriter goes, this makes sense from this perspective. Mm-hmm. Because there's reasons in your head you would do this. Like, I wrote a book called The Haunted, where this couple moves into a haunted house, and bad things start happening the first day. And they have a, 
uh, talk with each other where they're like, we can't move because we've sunk every penny we have in here. Not only can we not buy a new house, we couldn't even buy, we couldn't even rent a moving truck. Yeah. We couldn't even rent a hotel. We're stuck. Yeah. Okay. So there's a reason they stay. In the movie, they stay, and you're going, move. Just move. Yeah, just, just, just move. Go, just move. Yeah. You know? And the writers are going to themselves, well, they can't. They're a young couple. We already said they're a young couple, so hopefully people will get that they're, they don't have much money. But we don't. We're sitting yeah, there going, don't. move! Yeah. You know? yeah, but there are certain laws, I guess, or unspoken laws in movies that sort of don't, like, uh, are, are, are implied and you almost have to spell it out. Yeah, and that's the difference. Is, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's kind of hard to guess sometimes as a screenwriter because you don't want to spell stuff out and be like, too much. Here, yeah. you're an idiot, you know? Mm-hmm. But you also do have to say some things. And some movies, that's the purpose of test screenings, you know? Yeah. They, they yeah. do these, these screenings in advance and they give you a card like, did you feel like a moron when we told you this? <laughs> Rate one to ten. Yes, I felt like a moron. You know, did you feel... Like, we didn't tell you this. No, I, d- I didn't understand that at all, you know. Mm-hmm. And they do these test screenings, but not every movie does that. Yeah. Not every movie can afford to do that. And not every movie wants to do that. You get a lot of these directors with a king-size stick up their butt, and they think they know everything. Mm-hmm. And they're not interested in having a second opinion. Yeah. So, I, while I, I agree it's incredibly frustrating, having been on the other side of that, you know, of that of that camera, yeah. mm-hmm. I can see how it happens, too. Okay. Also, sometimes the screenwriter's an idiot. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> That's fair. That's a very fair one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I, we well, should probably yeah. get wrapping this up. So, yeah. so when LTUE is over, where are you going to be heading to next? Um, I'm going to be doing the Fanex, the fan experience at Comic-Con Salt Lake City. We'll be there, too. And I have no idea after that. I kind of plan it a month in advance because I have children. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, you'll just see him wandering around town in a hoodie and big glasses. Yeah, saying, giving out I'm my credit card. I'm not a crazy person. <laughs> but can I ask you about your business? I have a website. <laughs> I have a website. <laughs> I used to say, I have a webcam, and it got me a whole lot of the wrong attention. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be at the Fanex and, and um, just cranking out books and having fun. Yeah, I mean, if, if it, Fanex is anything like Comic-Con was, it... It's gonna be crazy. Oh, it was just this huge flood of meat, and and I was over. Uh, in the it wasn't even area. a flood of meat. It was I mean, Noakian. It was pretty much <laughs> it was a lake. It was a yeah. It was a s- slow sludge of movement. Yeah, I, I, was, was, I was over in the artist area yeah. with like a table selling books and stuff, and I went. Some of my friends are over in the cool area where like the Hobbit was and stuff. Yeah. So I'm gonna go over there. So I left the person <laughs> I was with, Three and hours I walked. Later. Yeah, I walked over. Well, first of all, like enough people starting to know me that it takes me about 45 minutes yeah. to pee because mm-hmm. I have to walk out and talk to people yeah. and talk to people and hold my crotch and be like I have to pee guys <laughs> and then I pee and then I come back and Get rinse, again. lather, repeat right yeah. so I'm walking over and I hit this midpoint and it was just like bouncing off a force field yeah. of BO and people yep. and it was Whoa. just ridiculous <laughs> I don't know so how, how did we miss you you were probably in a different part of the B.O. force field. We were, yeah, I mean, we were everywhere <laughs> you there. You were contained with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, miss, I had to miss it. He missed so. it, but yeah, we were wandering around doing interviews like yeah, crazy. Yeah, I was there. Huh. So, yeah. Weird. I was handing out my card a lot of it going, ah, I have a website. Maybe I was out <laughs> doing that. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm not a crazy person. Not yeah, a crazy totally. person. I'm not a crazy person. Saying he's not a crazy person. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, all your books are available on Amazon, your Amazon, website. My website, michaelbrentcollings.com. You can just Google Michael Brent 
um, and one of two things will come up. My stuff and an underwear model who is dazzlingly attractive. That's not me. Okay. Um, The ugly guy with all the books is me. Okay. Oh, very nice. <laughs> no, no, it, it, he really is both of them. Yeah, it's but I try and keep Photoshop my identity separate. Is really, really <laughs> effective. I know. Do you know how hard it is to make me ugly like that? <laughs> it, take, it takes time. It takes practice. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> all right. So, um, so author, screenwriter, and um, all around martial great artist. Guy. That's right. Yep. Red hot funny guy with a gold baby up his butt. And yes. totally not crazy. <laughs> not crazy at all. Absolutely not crazy. Michael Brink Collins, everyone. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thank you. All right. <laughs>